For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, and welcome to episode 22 of the Baseball From Home podcast. This is the end of the White Sox season. I'm Connor McKnight. He's Joe Brand. We're brought to you by the House of L Podcast Network. I've been covering baseball for radio stations in Chicago the last 10 years. Joe's been broadcasting minor league baseball for the last nine. He covers the White Sox and the Cubs for WGN Radio. You can find us both on Twitter. I'm at C1 McKnight. He is at Joe underscore brand. Subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. It helps us. Mostly it's going to help us get through this whole winter of less baseball than we wanted to watch. Every show, we cover the Cubs and the White Sox, one or the other during the playoffs. And today's episode, episode 22, is devoted to the White Sox. None of this at all would be possible without David Hochberg and all of the fine folks at Team Hockburg. They helped me secure the mortgage for the roof that is over my head now, my place in Wicker Park. They are absolutely fantastic. They're like a clutch knock with runners on. They're like a big strikeout when you need one. They are certainly not like walking a batter with the bases loaded. You should call Team Hockburg if you are looking to buy a home. They were wonderful with me. It was my first home buying experience. Give them a call, 855 855- 56david or head to the website 56david.com homeside financial is an equal housing lender at mls 1124061 joe the white Sox took an unconventional route through game three against the a's and came up two runs short of extending an amazing season there's plenty to be angry about there always is if your team doesn't win the last game of the year there's plenty to be hopeful about and with this team and Luis Robert, and Tim Anderson, and Yohan Mankata, and Lucas Giolito, and Dane Dunning, and others, that all doesn't seem like the hollow platitude it sometimes is when the boys of summer fade to fall. I'm overall encouraged about 2020, but there's a lot about the final game of the year that we need to talk about before we get to being happy again. Unconventional is probably the perfect word because we saw players hit their tendencies. We saw players go totally against their tendencies in the most important game of the season. I think what I learned most about the White Sox in Game 3 of the Wild Card Series was this team is still not yet complete. They've been impressive. They've been very good. They've been very fun. And they've shown that they can be one of the best teams in baseball, but... 
to consistently have that trait and to consistently have that feeling. This is a team that ran out of starting pitching, showed a bullpen that has none, if very little, playoff experience. And as good as some offensive guys were this year, they could not come through in the clutch when they were needed most. So incomplete is is what I'll give this team because we talked about it before. Everyone loves to compare the 2020 White Sox with the 2015 Cubs. They got here early. That target is going to be on their back in 2021, no matter what. I'm really glad you started it that way because they, they aren't done. They should go sign Trevor Bauer for a one-year contract. They should go sign two more bullpen arms to make sure that they don't get into a spot like that. And they should go sign a damn right fielder that can give you at-bats like Nomar Mazzara gave you all game three long up until the point where he struck out looking to end the season. You know, I I mean, I want to save some of the big picture long-term stuff for another podcast, right? For those of you listening, for those of you fans of the Baseball From Home pod, first of all, we love you for sticking with all this nonsense as long as you have. But secondly, know this, that whenever Rick Hahn speaks next, right, when he gives his end-of-season presser, um, we're going to do a pod after that. We're going to save some of the big picture off season. How much should they sign Trevor Bauer for stuff then? We're going to focus on game three and the Oakland A's series here, though. And I think right off the get go, watching Dane Dunning start that game and being a little shaky outside the strike zone, uh, it never. Well, let me let me put it this way. Scott Greger, who is a fantastic beat reporter for the Daily Herald, tweeted out early in the morning that he was guessing. And when Scott Greger, this is this is me. This is Connor talking, right? When Scott Greger tweets, I'm guessing. It's not just like throwing shit at the wall. Scott Greger has talked to people and has kind of got a sense of what may or may not happen here. Greger tweeted right away that Crochet could start and that it could be a reliever right afterward, you know, quickly, in succession, maybe even bummer. And I, I retweeted it, and I thought, oh my god, this is cool, that they're going to take an unconventional high leverage, stifle the offense first, and get on the board first kind of approach. I liked it. It's just that when Dunning seemed wide in the zone, and Dunning did end up starting the game, of course, and they went to Crochet, it didn't enter my mind then, once Dunning had gotten to the mound, that he wouldn't really even go an inning before they went to the high leverage big guns. And and whether you like the plan or don't like the plan, you cannot dismiss the fact that the whole thing got shot in the foot as soon as Garrett Crochet's forearm started tightening up. That That's a big problem to try and overcome in a game you've planned for him to record, I, I would bet, six, seven outs. And I think it shows that magnitude when Aaron Bummer is the guy that follows up with him. I know a lot of people still want to slam the hammer on Ricky Ricky Renneria if he is the nail. Starting with Dunning, it, it only confuses me why you start with Dunning with that short of a leash. I know he'd have a short leash. But if you're going to have that short of a leash on him, why not just start with Crochet then and and wait for a spot to bring in Dane Dunning in a clean inning when maybe he can bridge until the next guy? I, I think 
the Garrett Crochet going down after just two batters hurt so much because you need you were kind of expecting him at the best case scenario for two innings, not two batters. So that threw a whole monkey wrench into the whole plan. But listen, when you go into a game knowing it's going to be a bullpen game, the manager has to be perfect, like absolutely perfect. And even if they are perfect, something might still go wrong. So it's it's very difficult to just master a bullpen game. Like bullpen games are game three of the series when you just need to get to the off day, regular season type stuff. It's not set for game three of a, a do-or-die playoff game. It's it's just such a high-leverage, high-intense situation. You could you could dissect every single pitcher that came in and what point they came in, but for the majority of them, they didn't get shit done. So that's, that's what happened at the end of the day. You, you can look at the walks. You can look at the left on base. I mean, the White Sox left 12 runners on the bases, three for 14 in running, runners in scoring position. They walked nine guys, not to mention two with the bases loaded. I do have some thoughts about the home plate umpiring, but a lot of things went wrong. It was not just one. It was not just one decision. And you know what? That's what happens in playoff games. This was the best series in the playoffs in my eyes. Yeah, unless that Cardinals-Padres thing turns into something a little bit more exciting. That game's going on right now as we're recording for uh, sake of honesty. You're right, man. I mean, Renneria turned to Matt Foster, Cody Hoyer, and Evan Marshall, and they all had rough days. And Aaron Bummer wasn't all that sharp either. He really had to work to get his ass out of the jackpot. Everybody had too many walks. The White Sox walked nine. That's a bad day to have a bad day, regardless of what the name on the back of the jersey is. And Yasmani Grandal has a catcher's interference that ends up being big. It's his first catcher's interference call all year. You know, I mean, this is that's a tough spot to have your guys not quite play as best as they did. And I, I won't let Ricky Renteria off the hook here. There's no need to. I don't think he needs to be. He doesn't want to be let off the hook. Like, the fact of the matter is, is that in game three, you forfeited the DH because you didn't want to go to Zach Collins for an at-bat, when in the game before, you were happy to go to Zach Collins for an at-bat when he hadn't gotten up to the plate in three weeks, and you had runners in scoring position then. That, that's not sound, that's not that's not straight-line decision-making, right? That's not applying the same set of criteria to the same situation every time, and I, I take issue with that. However, when you've got Jose Abreu pounding ground balls with runners on in two different scenarios, like, no, I, I'm not going to take a shot at Jose Abreu even in the at-bat where Joaquin Soria looks like he's trying to give him the unintentional intentional walk and he swings at a breaking ball and pounds it to short, and that's a double play, and you're rolling two ham and eggs, you're out. Like, he had a fantastic MVP-type season. I'll cut him a break, but the fact that your guy didn't come through either time is really tough on a lineup that needs him and didn't have Aloy Jimenez, save for one at-bat this entire series. I don't want to go into... The argument that this is Jose Abreu's first time in the playoffs, because he had a very good game one, but that pitch, I know what you're talking about. Abreu against Soria, he swings at that 
2-1 fastball, high and outside. I just as soon as it happened, I go, "Who is this guy? This is yeah. this is not the Jose Abreu we've seen all season long. This is the guy that when he's locked in, which he seemed like he has been over the past, well, all year long basically, he avoids that and he waits for the pitch that's going to drive in runs. And that did not happen that at bat. It didn't happen the at bat before that. That's a guy who I was mentioning earlier just did not show his tendencies in this game. Tim Anderson was that guy. Tim Anderson was oh. the guy he has been all year long. What a wonderful series for number seven. Just playing the hits, putting the bat on the ball, finding holes nonstop. I mean, that dude was just so chill the entire series. Did you see him eating Doritos when they, they pan along every White Sox player in the dugout and everyone's staring onto the field in an intense situation? I think it was the eighth when they were finally uh, sparking something up. And they go to Tim, and he's just – fingering Doritos into his mouth. <laughs> and I'm like, what is this is this is where this guy's easiness is at. He's he's totally calm, totally cool, totally collected. But yes, there was there were just guys that that did not come in through the clutch. And strangely enough, Nomar Mazzara was one of those guys that did come in through the clutch. The past two games, I thought he had some great at-bats. He really did. He really did. Uh, I also like your turning the phrase spark it up and Doritos in the same sentence. I uh I get that. Here's here's the issue, though, at least I think, you know, there there are plenty of things to bag on on anybody for. Right. It's kind of what I said in the open. This is how you feel about a team when you don't win the final game of the season. But Luis Robert hit an absolute moonshot today. One of the longest home runs in postseason history. 487 is a long. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Long damn way, right? Tim Anderson had nine hits in the series, and I think... Some something like um, Luis Roberts, like the youngest guy to hit a 450 foot shot since Mickey Mantle or something. I don't know if they were really measuring Mantle's homers. Home run by the youngest player in a win or go home game since Mickey Mantle. Right. Okay. All right. I, I was glad. I'm glad I messed that up because I was like, how were they actually measuring the Mantle shots? Like, were they? Were they like getting telephone poles out and setting them end to end? Like, is that what it took to measure things? We were sending people to the moon in that age, but apparently we're measuring things with telephone poles and baseball games. That's just kind of how I see the 50s and 60s. I don't know. And then Tim Anderson has nine hits, which I, I'll, I'm going to get the nobody has ever done this, the fun fact thing wrong again because I'm all amped up and I don't have a bag of Doritos here in the closet with me. But, <laughs> I, you know, Tim Anderson has nine hits in a season in, a, in a, his first postseason series. Nobody's ever really done that. I think five players have done that before. If Major League Baseball isn't making Tim Anderson the the front of a of an ad campaign, if he's not selling Calvin Klein's and Tommy Hilfiger's and whatever the kids are wearing these days, I'm saying things that we wore in high school back in the God knows what. 
How is Tim Anderson not the face of Major League Baseball the moment 2021 starts? You know what I thought this was going to be? I, I thought Robert was going to come on, come up again through the clutch later on, and this was going to be the Luis Robert. I thought he was too. Welcome to ESPN. Welcome to the playoffs. Welcome to the nation. I, I know he's he's gained a lot of momentum and, and acknowledgement this year with what he's done during the regular season, but I thought that was going to be it because everyone was going to see what he did in that mammoth shot he hit to give the Sox the lead, and then, oh my gosh, he did something again? This is not just a rookie running into one? Uh, Tim Anderson, yeah, okay, so the statistic was, you're right, he's the first guy to have three hits in his first three postseason games ever. The last person, and I think the only other person to do that in a three-game span, they said was Lou Brock. Oh, yeah, all right, all right, Lou Brock, okay. Um, I don't know what Lou Brock was sponsoring back in those days, but I can almost promise you it was not Calvin Klein. No, likely, likely not. I I do think it's worth saying, um, and, and I'll eat some crow for this. I On on the podcast yesterday, I, I laughed when we heard that Bob Melvin was said that Liam Hendricks was available for Game 3. And I laugh because Liam Hendricks threw, I don't know, 94 pitches in, in game two. And I he was huffing it. I mean, it was tough. Liam Hendricks was hitting 99 and eventually got the slider working. Tip of the hat. That's that's impressive. And yes, Robert missed a pitch there. Uh, maybe two. Nomar missed a pitch. Again, not that you expect him to necessarily do anything with that pitch, but he had been on lately, so there's that. Liam Hendricks pitched really well. Um, the A's suffered fewer mistakes in this series, and I think that's what got them there. And and when I'm when I say mistakes, I don't just mean you know Nick Madrigal's error in the second game, or a base running mistake here or there, or missing a pitch, or Jose Abreu swinging one outside the strike zone. I, I am including managerial mistakes here, decisions that that went awry or or maybe misguided to begin with. Bob Melvin made his share, right? Um, but I think overall the A's made fewer and that helped them win this series. I'm right there with you because I thought, I thought Bob Melvin was making every wrong decision in the first two games and his, him and his team come out on top, uh, credit to Liam Hendricks too, because, okay, the White Sox were just on Oakland's tail the last, let's see, 11 innings of this series. Like, no matter what Oakland did, the Sox were either threatening or they were ahead or they were closing in, and that bullpen still got it done. And for Liam Hendricks to come in a consecutive day after throwing a season-high pitches, almost doubling his season-high, and then to give up a leadoff single to James McCann and think, oh, God, here we're going again with some of the heart of the lineup. Well, okay, not the heart of the lineup, but with some strong hitters coming up. And to get through that, that's huge. That is very, very huge. So credit to him, credit to Bob Melvin, because I, I can't get over still how how game one seemed like such the right decision by Ricky Renneria, such the wrong decision by Bob Melvin. But Oakland comes on top. They get the last laugh. I think the Sox are still the better team, but Oakland played better in this series. You know, one thing I do want to say, too, and, and like I say, we're going to save the bigger picture stuff, like where does Co- Carlos Rodon figure into the 2021 team and who's going to play right field and who's in that rotation, all that kind of stuff. We'll save that for a later podcast, and I really do want to hear what Rick Hahn has to say um, about everything, you know, about everything. The, the fact that you know, the Cubs get a lot of pub for being the only team in Major League Baseball that did not have a positive COVID test. The White Sox had Yoan Moncada at the beginning of the season, and that was it. 
you know, we're, it's it's not as though you have one and you're knocked out of the running for, my God, what a great job this team did in managing an unprecedented global pandemic. I think the White Sox still get that merit badge whenever they're handed out at the end of the season. And you can wear that probably. I'm, I'm saying this like a little tongue in cheek, but I really do mean it. Like, do you have any idea how difficult it is to have to manage an organization of that size with all the travel logistics that they had and keep your nose clean for the entire I mean, that's that's incredible. That said, if we're if we're going back through the decisions that got you to starting Dane Dunning, and if the if the answer is okay, we want Dunning, and make, this isn't just Ricky Renteria mapping this out, right? This is the entire White Sox brain trust all sitting down and mapping this out together. That's how this works. It's 2020. That's how baseball works now. Just bank it. So if we're all sitting down. And we're coming up with Dane Dunning starting game three and going, okay, but if he gets into trouble in the first, do we have the stones to bring in Garrett Crochet to get us out of this? Oh, yeah, we got the stones to do that. Absolutely. We got him. Sure, 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 sure. Okay. So we're going to go bullpen the rest of the way, right, boys? Yes. What happens? Somebody gets hurt. What happens? Somebody's just bad. What happens if if they just put the bat on the ball too many times? Well, we can do this, that, and the other thing, but but that means Carlos Rodon is going to have to throw some for us. Okay. My question then is, if you're going to be so quick with the nominal starter in this series, why isn't that nominal starter Carlos Rodon? Because he's been there before. He's done that role more often than he's relieved. Not that that, the same isn't true for Dane Dunning, but in my mind, you're trying to get more out of that second guy than out of that first if indeed guys get on. And if Carlos Rodon ends up putting it together and and recording five, six outs, then great, you've probably won the ball game with your starter. Same thing probably happens if you let Dane Dunning get five or six outs, but that wasn't the game plan. And if the quick hook is there for whoever starts the game, I don't know why that guy wasn't Carlos Rodon. I cannot agree with you more because that is that's the one thing I just don't quite understand. You know it's going to be a bullpen day. You know you're going to need everything from everybody and at their very best. So the moment Dane Dunning takes them out and gives up one hit, you start the bullpen, that's a quiet ballpark. That ballpark is on the field. He can hear those mitts popping. He's a guy who's never pitched in the playoffs, hardly in the majors. I mean, I'm not saying he's not qualified for this start because I think he was, and I, I would go with him too. But the moment he hears that, his wheels start to turn, and, and that's a lot of pressure on a guy in his first major league playoff start. So why is that the route? I get it if he gives up a run and then walks a guy, and there's still only one out, and then, okay, yeah, we got to yank this guy before it gets too bad. But to not even give the guy a shot when he starts with a clean inning, I'm with you. Why not start with a clean inning for Dane Dunning, really see what he can do. If you have to go to the bullpen first inning, so be it. If that happens, wait for a clean inning for Carlos Rodon because you know you got to rely on one of your other arms like, like Foster or anybody else that's going to come, like Marshall or Bummer, in a dirty inning when he needs to get stuff done right then and there. So why not take that route? I, It's almost like he was using the same excuse with the Carlos Rodon. Oh, okay, two outs. All he needs is one quick out. Here we go. Hey, it didn't work last time. Remember? Remember everyone was mad because it didn't work? So, I don't know, maybe it won't work again this time. And w- whether it's the case right then and there or not, 
Carlos Rodon is is still a starter. Like he's he's not shown that he's a reliever. So why not give him that comfort zone at least when it's the very least you can give him? It'll be real interesting to see how everything gets wrapped up at the end of the year, how some of the decision-making gets clarified one way or the other. I got to say, though, that's a hell of a ride for White Sox fans. And it it sucks that it ends, you know, a week earlier than it probably should have. But they got to the playoffs. They had a couple of unfortunate injuries. And they didn't play their best series, you know, from the guys wearing the pullovers to the guys actually wearing striped pajamas. Uh, not prisoners, you know, actual ball players, But to actual players, it, it wasn't their best three games. And I think White Sox fans saw that, and you still had a chance to win that series without playing your best three games. And I know it sucks to hear, but to me that means good things for where this team is headed. Uh, you know, they stay healthy. They get a couple of guys back. Michael Kopak return. All these kinds of things are very, very possible. And I, I would say that the bar should be set at 92 wins or something like that. You know, a real solid season for the White Sox in 2021. As much as I hated the fact that they just doubled the total of playoff teams on opening day, the first thing I thought about was, well, the Sox have a very good chance of making the playoffs, and that is a very good thing for this White Sox team. A young core, get some playoff experience. I mean, they, they were one out, or I'm sorry, they were one game and a short comeback away from winning this series. They're going to come back hungrier next year. And I know, okay, this is what, what we do when the season ends. You talk about, oh, we'll think about next year. But again, it's it, this team is incomplete. Give them an offseason. See what they can do. Here's the other thing. I brought this up a few podcasts way back. Like if Bryce Harper were a free agent this upcoming offseason, he's looking at the White Sox a lot more than he was before. Oh, yeah. I know the free agent pool is a little more skim than it was when there was Manny Machado and, and Bryce Harper, but there's going to be guys looking at the White Sox now because of what they were able to do, and they're going to say, you know what, Dallas Keuchel, Yasmani Grandal, they made the right decisions coming here. I want a piece of that pie. I'm going to do the same. George Springer plays a pretty good right field is all I'm saying there. That's it for episode 22 of the Baseball From Home pod. Again, We'll come back and have another podcast only about the White Sox once Rick Hahn has his end-of-season press conference. Uh, for those of you who are Cubs fans and listen to the whole White Sox portion of this, first of all, we love you. Thanks so much. And we'll do the same for the Cubs uh, once when their season ends, hopefully rounds from now for, for those of you who are Cubs fans. Uh, but once Theo makes his end-of-season press conference, we'll wrap things up there as well. Thanks for listening. We'll be back with more Cub stuff and more White Sox stuff once Rick Hahn speaks and ends the season. He's Joe. I'm Connor. This is Baseball from Home. the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running everything would suddenly stop hospitals factories schools and power plants they all depend on you no matter the weather emergency or time of day you're the ones who get it done at granger we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies count on real-time product availability and fast delivery call clickgranger.com or just stop by granger for the ones who get it done